Welcome to this week's episode of the World of Procurement Podcast. I've got Joao with us, not Joel. I mean, I butchered his name straight away, and I hope Joao is uh, going to forgive me for that, and I'm probably still butchering his name. Uh, and Joao actually uh, lives in Canada, and he is a, well, I kind of call him an expert in the whole ERP, P2P, and niche solution space. His background is in consulting and working for a large firm implementing procurement digitization and change, that that kind of stuff. And now he runs his own consultancy, Pure Procurement, and does it himself and helps organizations get to grips with the, the technologies, the solutions that are out there. And we cover a lot in this episode. I mean, a lot. So if you've ever been confused about ERP, P2P and the the niche solutions that are out there in the marketplace, this is the episode for you to learn a lot very quickly. We talk for about 30 minutes and it's great. So l- let's jump straight into the podcast now. Joel, it's great to have you on the World of Procurement podcast. I'm excited to talk to you. We, we spoke a few weeks back, maybe a couple weeks ago, just to sort of get familiar, work out what each other does. I know you're a bit of a P2P implementation, just all round. I'm going to say genius. I, I don't know if I'm overselling you there. I'm going to say no, and we'll just go with that. And I think it'd be cool just to get a bit of an introduction from you, what you're up to, and uh, yeah, yeah, go from there. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, it's a pleasure being on the podcast, and I think you might be overselling it a bit in the sense where the only reason I'm still implementing procurement systems and working on procurement process optimization is because I'm still I'm still learning as I go. Right? There's always a new scenario, a new use case, a new functionality that that you haven't uh, you haven't looked at. Uh, so it's such a, a wide field that I feel I can I can go on for another 10, 20 years and and still uh, keep learning. Right? But I have been through a lot, and hopefully that's what uh, what we can discuss today, and hopefully I can help your listeners uh, gain some value and perspective in terms of uh, implementing systems. Uh, but just to, to answer your question more directly, uh, so yeah, my name is Joël Canet de Mels. I'm based out of Montreal, Canada. Uh, I run a small consultancy uh, called Pure Procurement uh, here where uh, we do uh, system implementation mostly for, for procurement software, right? So source to pay software, whether that be to support uh, expense analysis, sourcing processes, contract management, uh, which I'll deem upstream processes, right? Or more operational procurement where uh, we're talking about, you know, cutting cutting POs off of requisitions that are driven by catalogs uh, or not, right? Or, or MRP systems that will reorder uh, based on, on your stock levels and then getting to the receipt part aspect of things and then uh, invoicing and, and how we tie all that in together so that we can start the process over again the next calendar year or, or whatever strategic uh, strategic length of time we've, we've decided as a company. So uh, in a nutshell, that's, that's what I do. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, in my experiences so far, it's been very mixed in that respect so i have worked in some very large organizations where uh, and this is in the in the the defense sector where they they pretty much got 
themselves together to some extent. They, they're mostly using Oracle-based tools. They've got catalogs built in. That was one area, and, and it actually worked really well. You had all your contract clauses and everything built in. But then I've worked in other places where they're doing everything, well, they're still doing everything almost on, on paper uh, using yeah. Word and Excel or and then sending everything out via Outlook and just governing all their processes very manually. I mean, in my mind, like when maybe you, you go to organizations like that and you try to implement changes, what are some of the, uh, maybe what are some of the issues that you could potentially run into with, you know, organizations that really don't have themselves together all that well. And then maybe they think by getting these new tools in that it's going to solve the problem instantly. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point, right? I think uh, for organizations in that spot, um, there's often what I like to call auto magic thinking, right? Like we'll implement a tool or we'll we'll dabble in AI and and everything will will kind of solve itself. Uh, and there's often a big, I, th I think that that is encompassed in the fact that there's uh, the biggest issue I, I usually see is uh, overestimating the organization's capacity for change and how quickly it'll be able to adopt change. Uh, because systems, at the end of the day, are there to support business processes, uh, and if you if you don't take a look at how your processes are structured and and working together throughout the whole value chain and procurement, uh, then you're going to run into some trouble because either you're going to take false assumptions uh, at the outset of your project and and in the architecture of what you're trying to build from a system perspective, uh, that's going to bring you into trouble, and then you're going to have to backpedal and and go in another direction. Uh, or you're going to roll it out too fast if you have the right plan and then people will be, uh, you know, you won't, you're not going to get the benefits that you plan because people will not be adopting the technology as much as, as you need them to, to get the benefits, uh, either from in, an internal perspective or, or external perspective as well. And when I, I say that, I mean, users in your company versus suppliers as well, because uh, when you put these source to pay technologies in place, uh, one of the big things that, that uh, usually comes in, in, into play is a vendor network, right? So being able to send purchase orders electronically to vendors on a network where they can come and pick them up either manually or electronically with their system and then create sales orders on their side and you start integrating uh, the procurement process, uh, the, the operational procurement process. You know, they'll get a notification of your goods receipts. Uh, they'll send you the invoice electronically. And when you start doing that, uh, you're no longer uh, just creating a, a PO in whatever format you want and sending it over the fence and then they figure it out how they're going to input that data in your system, right? You, you have to you have to map how that's going to go into their system electronically and automatically. And there's a whole bunch of work to do uh, with every supplier that you're wanting to onboard to, if you're going to be uh, up to that level of detail with them and, and, and integration. So those are some of the, the, the points I see and, and the illustration of how that can manifest. Yeah, I think there are some really good points. And maybe we could just explore a, a, a couple of those. The, the first one that kind of came to mind in the first part of what you were saying was, uh, around the, the implementation part is really the key to doing sort of, you know, bringing in new, new tools, new software, regardless of what type it is, is the key to get the business set up right beforehand to, to think about how you are 
maybe strategically going to use it, what, what system, uh, what, sorry, what processes to put in place before implementing it. And then hopefully not just letting the software do the work. You've already worked out how it's going to work for you. Right. And I think it's, it's, it's a joint exercise, right? So the, the first piece is really key, that's really key is having a, a five, 10 year vision, like a, a target architecture that you're wanting to get to. And when I say that, I mean, yes, from a system perspective, but also from a process perspective and an, an org structure perspective, right? So the three, the three pillars that we always refer to in technology, technology or in change technology, uh, peoples and people and processes. So making sure you have a, a defined vision for where you want to go medium to long term in those three spheres within your procurement organization. And then from there, looking at different technologies, right, and that, you, you, that are going to be able to support that, right, whether it's a full suite from one of the leading vendors like Ariba, iValua, Coupa, Psyche, Spaceware, et cetera, right, or uh, and then where they where those big ones have gaps, looking at, okay, well, are there other pure play players in certain areas like an AI vendor for uh, contract term optimization, for example, that we can come and plug into one of these base base solutions, right? Because they don't do everything that, that you'd want them to do. And then from there, once you've got that big overarching vision, it's it's coming down to and breaking it down into the smallest pieces possible uh, in terms of implementation, right? So if I take an example, let's let's go all the way down to sourcing, and we're we're going to start with sourcing because it it impacts uh, the least number of users within our company, just our category managers and you know our, our strategic procurement department instead of everybody that buys something. And, and then we'll define the process, like we'll select our, our solution in parallel to defining our processes because often that will have to go hand in hand. You'll have to decide, okay, are we bending our processes to fit into a solution or are we bending a solution to fit into our processes? The former is usually less expensive, but you'll, you'll have to make concessions in terms of what you can do or what you want to do with your processes. And then the, the, the latter is more expensive uh, over time and uh, usually will not, uh, you know, will, will bring you into trouble from a system support perspective and the cost associated to that. So that's why you want to do the exercise of, of defining the system and, and the process. You want to have a, a good idea of where you want to go from a process perspective, technology agnostic, but then when you bring the technology into the picture, you might need to revise uh, your process so that it, it can coexist with the technology very well. And then from there, you know, you, you would go through implementation of that module only, right? And then repeat the same exercise over and over again with, with other projects that would fit into uh, to this new architecture that you're trying to build uh, so that you build a snowball, right? Because you, you will have a small user group that has been implemented on the sourcing solution. Maybe the contract module is next. You're going to have some crossover there with, with the folks that are involved in sourcing. You might have to bring in legal, which is always an interesting task for folks that are still on uh, faxes and, mm -hmm. and uh, legal sized paper. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you, you build the snowball from there. So, so starting with pilots and then deploying to larger sites and, and it grows organically and faster and faster as, as you do it, uh, as opposed to, for example, trying to do everything at the same time. Uh, like I've seen that a lot with, with organizations that just think that, uh, procurement is, is meat and potatoes, right? We just send a PO, we receive the goods. We get an invoice and we pay it, right? But then you start looking at services, complex services, and 
you know, consignment and subcontracting processes and all of this complexity that's, that's built into your meat and potatoes and you're, you end up with a seven layer dip, right? So, um, uh, so, so yeah, just to give you an example, like that's, that's the biggest thing is always managing the change within the organization and doing it in a smart way so that you're not having to backtrack over time. No, that's great. I, I think you just gave an incredible amount of information. And it's just one thing that got my mind twirling, I don't know, spinning around a little bit there in terms of those, um, those sort of more niche bits of software. There's, there's add-on softwares, but where, for example, you might have, you know, one of your, your big ERP systems and you might want to get a contract management bit of software in it's got an api so it it hooks up i mean do you see those smaller sort of add-on solutions growing in popularity moving forwards oh for sure so so i always see this there's three i'll say three three categories of of solutions to serve your procurement department there's the old-fashioned erp which you're never if you're a big company you're never going to get away from because it it is fully integrated and they've been working on that for 30, 40 years, right? With the SAPs, the oracles of the world, uh, where everything is integrated with finance, with, with HR, with, with the other modules that represent your company, right? So that's uh, the old ones, but they're usually a bit more clunkier and, and you can't do, uh, you can't do a lot of the um, uh, upstream procurement piece, right? So when I was mentioning earlier, uh, like expense analysis, sourcing, contract management, like it'll do that not as well. Same thing with like catalog management, right? So there's your ERP systems for more uh, transactional purchasing, right? And then from there, the second category is source to pay suites or source to pay systems, which are usually cloud systems. Uh, and I was mentioning a bit of them earlier on. So like Ariba, iValue, Akupa, uh, Zykus, Baseware, Jagger, um, those will usually sit on top of your ERP. And my thinking is usually you'll, you're, so start with the ERP, then you go into those category two solutions and you want to, you want to augment what your ERP can't do for you. So notably what you referred to, so contract management, like if I want a, a system that's going to be able to guide users through different types of workflows based on the commodity that they're contracting, for, uh, for example, then I'm going to have to do that in one of these category two source to pay solutions. Uh, and then category three, which to me is, is more uh, services, right? Or, or small niche solutions that will address a particular uh, need very, very well. And that, you're, that is not going to be met by either your ERP or your source to pay solution. Uh, and usually will be very, very specific and pointed in a, in a very small uh, niche functionality or process, right? So one can think of uh, everything that's in the AI space today, right? So you'll have companies that uh, do spend taxonomy uh, enrichment of your data very, very well, but they're not going to do anything else, right? Because it's, it, it can go so complex and so granular in that specific area. Uh, so you'll bolt that on through APIs, as you were mentioning earlier, to your spend analysis module, for example. And it'll add a whole bunch of value because it'll, it'll standardize all the descriptions where with black in it, right? So black will be spelt out in full. It'll be BK, it'll be BLK in a whole bunch of different purchases. And the system will have such a, ri a richness of, of data to uh, analyze your data with that uh, it'll be able to save you a lot of time in terms of that standardization. So that's one example, but it, I hope it illustrates kind of the three categories I'm, I'm mentioning. 
just before we jump back into the podcast, I, I wanted to brief you on July 31st, we are launching the contract management for beginners course. It's going to be hosted over on Udemy. The price is going to be $49.99. We're going to cover a lot. We're covering what is contract management, what are the pre-signature and post-signature contract management activities, and just a lot around that side of it because a lot of people in the procurement space tend to think that contract management is is only something you do once you have a contract signed, and that's a really bad approach to take when you're dealing with contract management. And a lot of procurement professionals never really get involved in the contract management element. They're so focused on sourcing. So if, you, if you're looking to upskill up your game in this area, this course is for you. And there's a special discount that we're going to give to all of our podcast listeners so that you can get it for half price for now and forever. Let's jump straight back in to this podcast. Yeah, I think that was a, an incredible uh, uh, an example that you just gave there. I thought you laid it out really nicely, brought a lot of clarity. I think a lot of people can get I mean, let's be honest, this isn't necessarily the, the easiest thing for procurement professionals to necessarily understand, especially if they've been maybe only using a, a, a traditional ERP system for a great number of years. And for those organizations which are even further behind who still do everything manually. So I, I thought that was a, a great example. And I mean, I think you know, from your, your first comments, we, we were there was a, a quite a few good points. And I just wanted to, to maybe dive in on the, the supplier onboarding element. Like you said, if, if you've got it set up so that you can really engage with your supply chain and you, you can build an architecture in place to know how those POs might look when the, the supplier gets them and all of that. I mean, what, what, what typical issues do you do organizations come up with when they're trying to implement that element the supplier integration piece right just before i get into that i want to address one thing you said which is supremely important and interesting is uh, the fact that folks don't necessarily have that knowledge of how to go about implementing technology if they're procurement professionals like that's that's huge right and and so when you're looking at training your folks um, don't just develop them on the procurement side. Don't just send them to SIPS classes, right? Like you need to develop their procurement technology literacy as well. And that's something that will help your snowball grow bigger and faster uh, than it would otherwise, right? So that's my little, my little aparté, right? Uh, put that, parking that aside and now I'll, I'll address your point. Uh, I just couldn't let it go. <laughs> no, I think that is, I think that's, uh, it's probably, the most pertinent point you've made in some ways is that actually I think all of us in the workforce have to become more technology minded. We, we really need to know how to use all the, the software and be almost fluent in it. Like uh, if you, if you needed to uh, maybe learn German for your, your role, you need to now be able to use the technology. Otherwise you're just never going to make it in, in the world that we live in now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, couldn't agree more and that's what that's why I do what I do right like if because uh, I think there's there's such a gap to bridge there that but that provides incredible value anyways I don't want to side skirt your question because it's an important one as well uh, so in a network when you're putting in a business network and you're trying to 
uh, onboard different suppliers. What is the biggest, I think you're saying, what's the biggest thing to watch out for or to, to work on? Yeah. Uh, again, I come back to the first point, right? Which is don't underestimate the, the effort that's going to have to go into it to make yourself successful, right? Because supplier enablement is, uh, especially when you're implementing these types of systems, like a source to pay system, or even just a business network with your ERP system. Uh, everybody agrees that most of the value comes from that integration with suppliers, right? Like I'm not going to have to send POs and, and check up on them and see if they've been received and, and get field questions from suppliers and have price changes that are all coordinated via email. And then have we received the goods? Have we not received the goods? Uh, can they invoice us? Have they invoiced us? Is it the right amounts, et cetera, right? So all of, all of this time that you're spending on exception management uh, can be solved in great in, in in great part by one of these uh, vendor network systems right because you can implement business rules in there where you say for example if if the po has been confirmed by the vendor at price x well he can't invoice us at price at price y uh, or else he's going to get an error and we don't even see it uh, there's an error message that gets gets kicked back to him right so that's a specific example of, of the value it could deliver but uh each and every supplier is a, is a specific, different relationship, right? They have their own reality on the other side where they have a bunch of systems that may or be, may not be able to support uh, different things that, that you're wanting to do, um, catalogs being one of them, for example, or advanced shipment notices and order confirmations electronically. So each vendor is, is on a journey of their own from a technology maturity perspective. So for each vendor that you're going to put in your supplier enablement plan, you're going to want to you're going to have to, to figure out okay how do we bring those guys into um, into our ecosystem right Are they going to be a portal supplier where they log in and they get their information there? Uh, that's usually the case when they don't have any technology, but that means that they now have extra steps that they need to do when when they buy uh, you buy something from them right They can't just check their inbox for uh, an email PO. And then if you're, if you don't, if you, if they opt, they have bigger volume, they don't want to be a portal supplier. They want to be an integrated supplier. They want to receive documents directly in their system. So your, your purchase order becomes a sales order in their system automatically. Then that requires a whole other uh, onboarding process, right? You know, you'll have to have like a, a cookbook that says, okay, well, these are the 10 most important scenarios uh, for us. Like we'll change orders, standard orders, service orders, uh, subcontracting orders uh, with order confirmation, without order confirmation, et cetera. And you have to test those those uh, scenarios with your supplier as you're onboarding in, right? So then that's for each supplier every time, right? So, so the effort uh, to onboard suppliers can be much greater than you think it's going to be, but it's, it's, you get into, you have to get into a sausage machine uh, <laughs> my mentality, right? Where you have these different tracks, uh, you have different criteria to put suppliers on those different tracks, and then you just push them through as fast as possible. Uh, and then from there, it's it's really negotiation and and okay, well, if you if you know if you're not going to onboard our supplier network, that's that's fine. But know that we are going to be growing our business through suppliers that are on the network with us and are invested in a partnership long term with us. So it's crafting that message as well, and not being afraid to to pick up the phone and and talk to each supplier, right? So. I don't think people realize the, the what needs to be done to, to take advantage of these uh, business network technologies. And it's often, you know, a task that's relegated to 
someone we don't really know what to do with in the department, right? So <laughs> to me, it should be your A player that's on that task, right? Because it's going to generate the most value. Yeah. Because I think I'm, I'm going on, but I, I think you get, you get the point here, right? Where it's, it's much more complex than we initially think it's going to be. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm more than happy for you to go on here because I think you're actually giving an incredible amounts of value. I really like the point that you just made right at the end. It should be your A player because you're not just setting up a, a almost like a bridge, a, a, a network solution. You're, that, that, that is all founded on the relationship you have with your supply chain or that supplier in particular. So you need your best people, your best relationship people on that. There was just one thing you did say, and I just kind of wanted to dive into it there. Uh, you, you mentioned a vendor enablement plan. Is this kind of where you are maybe thinking of the vendor suppliers that you are going to target to set up this, this vendor business network system, that those key players you want to be involved with, you want to have that partnership with, who you want to get integrated with. Is that where you kind of come up with the, the specific number of suppliers and strategize there? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, I talked about a sausage machine and, and the, the reason I say that is you want to build that strategy out before you start contacting suppliers, right? So I'm actually... I'm building a, an e-course on that. I don't know when it'll be released because uh, just like you I have young children at home and you know, I, all the, all the stuff I do is like in between diapers and like at night and in the mornings and you know, when, when, when I'm not uh, working on a contract, but uh, all that to say, yeah, I'm working on a plan. And to me, there's, you have to have that thinking done before you start addressing suppliers. Right. So uh, for example, uh, there's a couple criteria to, to think about, right. One of them is, um, your different channels. So I, I referred to that a little bit earlier, which is mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we're going to have, there's vendors that we're going to send POs to from the network, but we don't, we don't want to onboard them. You know, we do one or two transactions with them a year. And so we're going to have that supplier journey. Number one, which is, uh, you know, it's transparent for the user. They get an email from the system but we're only going to get an invoice back through some other channel. So it's not, it's not high volume. It's not, it's tail spend. It's not that big a deal. And you'll have a, a critical mass there of suppliers. Then uh, the middle of the way or enablement method number two, we're going to have them on the portal, right? And they're going to have to come in and, and get their purchase orders from the portal. Uh, they can download them in CSV format or you know, get the POs in PDF or just key punch them back into their system they don't have that many POs during the year from a volume perspective. So that method will work out for, for them. Right. And you, you would put thresholds, maybe it's, you know, under, under 200 POs a year, it's acceptable. Um, considering all, all the POs and transact or change POs that you, you might have on those POs as well. So you have to think of it from a supplier perspective, right? What kind of workload is it going to represent for them? And then the third, third bucket would be integrated suppliers, right? Or, uh, suppliers where, as I was mentioning earlier, you would create a transaction in your system and it would automatically create a sales order in their system and the rest of the process would be integrated as well, right? So as soon as they confirm their sales order and, and their available quantities, you would get an order confirmation back. Uh, and then when they ship, you would get an advanced shipment notice to say, here's what we're sending you when we close the doors of the truck. Uh, and then the in, they would invoice you and you would be able to, 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 to follow that process electronically and to end without having to, to call anybody or, or um, you know, follow up with emails, that sort of thing, right? So 
and that you'll privilege for suppliers where you have a very high level of transactions. Um, the, the value may not be, it may not be high value from uh, a dollars and cents perspective on the PO, but it's a high dollar value from an automation perspective, right? Getting your folks out of the, out of the firefighting mode and into uh, liberating them for strategic pursuits, right? So those are like the three, the three buckets I would see. Um, and thinking about as well, what sites, uh, what sites are, are deployed on the solution, right? Because I could enable my biggest volume vendor, but if, if I haven't deployed my business network to, uh, to sites where uh, they're going to be placing orders for that supplier, then it's, that supplier should be later in the plan, right? So there's, there's a whole thinking around multiple criteria that, that's needed to be able to, to craft a strategy in terms of how we're going to enable suppliers, when we're going to enable them, uh, and uh, what content they're going to be able to provide as well, right? So that's the last point, which is, are they going to be vendors that can provide catalogs for me or not, right? Uh, and uh, are we going to are we going to be able to when we onboard them onto the network? Are they going to request that for automation perspective they do have a catalog, and we need to be ready to implement that with them and test it? And so there, there's a lot of thinking to do before you you call your first supplier is, is the main point I'm trying to make. <laughs> no, I, I, I think you just made some uh, really good points there. I think, uh, and just from my experience, is when, obviously uh, we're both consultants, you're, you're a specialist in this, and I kind of specialize in this, the sourcing and day-to-day -day sort of stuff, the strategic thinking, contract management. So I go around a whole wide range of different companies and if I even mention like, oh, guys, why are you, um, why are you still sending stuff out by email? Why, why, why are you filing these documents away? Why are you hand signing all of these contracts and just putting them in a drawer? They kind of look at me blankly as though, uh, because they just don't know what other solutions are out there. And I think you obviously got a lot of market leading companies who know what they're doing. They've got you know, mass amounts of money behind um, expertise. They just know what they're doing. But you've got lots of other companies who are still turning over money, maybe tens of millions of pounds who, who don't know what they're doing. So I, I think it's really valuable what you what you just said overall. And I mean, just as we're coming to the end here, I mean, what, what would be your, and it, this might be a really hard question. It might be a bit of a loaded question that you can't answer. So don't worry if you want to give multiple points here. But what would be your one key takeaway, your one bit of advice to anyone who kind of wants to implement a new procurement system within their business? What would you say the, the, the most important thing is for them to, to get right to think about? Yeah. To me, it's if you don't understand explicitly how it's going to work or fit into your long-term plan, uh, don't get trapped into into auto magic auto magic as as I was saying at the outset of the episode uh, auto magic thinking right like you need to understand how it's going to work because at the end of the day you're going to be the one uh, supporting it within your business with your folks when the consultants are gone when the software vendor has moved on to another sale you know, like you're the one that's 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 got the baby and and you need to be raising it and and making it deliver value for your organization right so. Uh, don't don't hesitate to seek out expertise, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's through software vendors, through consulting firms. Uh, but also, don't be 
don't be afraid to uh, to take it slow, right? Because most of these companies will try to sell you the dream, the big the big transformation. And from my experience, the the best way to go about transformation is is one small piece at a time, right? Eat the elephant one uh, bite at a time. Otherwise, you might choke. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Go go at the pace you're you're comfortable with. Don't necessarily believe or uh, fall into the trap of doing all of this in one go. Like you say, I, I think a lot of organizations out there will, will promise you the world and they can probably achieve it, but you're going to have a whole army of consultants implementing all of this. And that may not be good for your business. I mean, just to, just to finish off, where, where can we find you if people want to find out more about this? Uh, because I, I, I think you've got a lot of value to give in this area. You, I, I, and, and it'd be great to send people your way if they're, they're maybe stuck in a bit of a sticky situation and, and, and can't really see the wood through the trees really here. So, so where can we find you? I appreciate that, uh, Daniel. It's especially coming from you. I know I consume a lot of your content as well. I know you're, you're pretty on the ball with a lot of things, so I appreciate that uh, coming from you. Um, to answer your question, people can get uh, in touch with me uh, at pureprocurement.ca. Uh, that's where I, I, ha- I have my blog. I try to post regularly, as I was saying, in between diapers uh, earlier <laughs> on when I can. Uh, I put out a podcast once in a while as well when I think there's a valuable conversation to be had. Otherwise, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn a lot, so don't hesitate to, to connect and reach out there. And if you've got a particular problem or a, a particular thing you want to discuss, you know, just, just ping me, send me a message, and let's get on the phone and, and just talk it through, right? Like I have no, no problem doing that, no issue. Uh, and then if, if uh, there's a collaboration that uh, sprouts from it, great. If not, well, hopefully I've given you a bit of value and, and uh, you keep uh, being part of the conversation with me, right? So I send, I send out a, a newsletter every month. Um, you can subscribe to it at, at purepicurban.ca. It's usually around where the technology space is heading for source to pay, for ERP, for those three categories I was mentioning earlier in the procurement space. Um, and yeah, we just have, we just have a lot of fun, uh, discussing nerdy procurement stuff because, uh, most of, most of the people in our entourage, or at least it's the case for me, I don't know if it's the case for you, but, uh, when I, t- when I say procurement, everybody looks at me like, what the heck is that? Right. So it's, it's, uh, we're, we're nerds in a niche world and it's always fun to be with other nerds in that niche world. So come, come, uh, come chat. Yeah, I love that because that's exactly how I think about all of this. Nerds in a niche world of procurement is, is, is it's a very happy place to, to be in. I think there's a lot of potential in it still. And I, I'm excited, especially with people like you in, in this world, uh, driving businesses forward. But thanks so much for jumping on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today. Thanks, Daniel. Likewise, and I hope we get to do it again soon. Talk to you soon. Mind blown, Joao is just one of those gifted speakers. He can convey his subject matter with such exquisite detail and is very comprehensive in his approach to sharing his information. So I have really gained a lot of knowledge in this episode and I hope that you have too. All I'm going to do at this point is just echo what we said in the middle of the podcast that we've got the contract management for beginners course going live friday the 31st of july so a wonderful course it's going to be you know two to three hours in length it's a mixture of lectures hardly any slides i hate slides 
no one from my organization will ever use slides and bore you that way. And it's just going to give you a, a really good foundation in the subject matter. So follow the link below and you can take up the half price option by doing that. See you next time for the World of Procurement podcast.